0: Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy Jalen.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA draft analysis series, and today we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks only have one pick in this year's draft, and it's the twenty-fourth overall pick. So Jalen, what do you see the Milwaukee Bucks doing with the twenty-fourth overall pick?
1: They need a point guard. Really, really bad. Sorry to be like very monotone, but it's like it's like extremely it's the only thing that they need. I mean, it's just the truth. Eric Bledsoe Dicey when the lights come on. I mean, okay at best when the lights come on. George Hill, great when we're talking about politics, or you know, maybe maybe decent during the regular season, but when the lights come on, I don't see him, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just how it goes. Giannis has another star, I'll say star caliber player in Chris Middleton. Although he is underrated, although I think his all-star seasons have been a little under the radar, he is an all-star caliber secondary player is he the second best player on a second on a championship team I do still think that that's up for grabs in terms of making that type of decision on a guy like that but he is a complimentary player and he has showed up in big moments the only reason why they got gentlemen swept versus actually just getting taken out in four games um when Giannis went down was all because of Chris Middleton now I guess you could say that you could put that on the Miami Heat as well for kind of taking them a little bit lightly after seeing Giannis go down but I mean, they were in a position where they honestly had no chance, and Chris Middleton was the saving grace that made that series even a smidge bit more interesting than it actually turned out to be. They need a point guard bad, dude. And I think the worst part about it is the most interesting and worst part, I guess you could say, about this whole thing is they literally had him in Malcolm Brogdon. They just didn't want to pay him, which is sickening to think about because he's not the piece that I think Indiana needed but I think that it made them slightly enough better to be willing to give him the money. Milwaukee is exactly the place that Malcolm Brogdon fits in the best and they didn't want to pay him. They undervalued his overall production from the fact that you're talking about a guy who was 50, 40, 90 rookie of the year, even though maybe the stats didn't pop out. Maybe Joel Embiid should have won it that year. You know, we can debate about that on a different day, but Malcolm Brogdon was rookie of the year. 50 40 90 guy most of the time that he's been in the league so far which has only been a short period of time I know he was an older guy coming out of the draft but still only been in the league a couple years now and you undersold the value and stability he provides at the point guard spot now I know injury concerns had a lot to do with that as well to a certain extent but I at least feel as though I can rely a lot on a more a lot more on a guy like Malcolm Brogdon or um or some guys that we might name later on talking about trade-wise than a guy like Eric Bledsoe or a guy like George Hill. Let's wrap all the way around with that. I'm going to flip it to you first because I've already talked enough about the needs. Before I go, who do you think that the Milwaukee Bucks should go after, either positionally or in terms of a specific prospect? What do you think should be addressed with the 24th overall pick in this year's draft?
0: Well, I could address both because I think they not only need a guard, but I think they can use a player like Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. Jalen, you've given a lot of credit to Ramsey and how solid of a player he is. He's a guy who's averaged 15-4 and four last season as a freshman. He's a solid defender. He's able to create his own shot. He has a solid three-pointer. He has a solid three-point shot. He shoots under 43% from beyond the arc, which is actually really good considering that he is a freshman. And I think he could – turn out to be a nice three and D player. I think he could also cover multiple positions on the floor in terms of the guard position in particular. I think he could be a solution because let's face it, they've had consistency issues at that position. And considering the depth of this team in general, I think Ramsey could be, could grow as a scorer. I think he has the potential to grow as a scorer. You mentioned the, lackluster performances of the guard positions for milwaukee considering that this team was the best team in the east last year they took a massive drop off this year not in terms of record but in terms of play malcolm brogdon leading this team leaving this team maybe was the worst thing that could have happened to this team because let's face it malcolm brogdon was a solid player Malcolm Brogdon is definitely showing Milwaukee what they missed out on when he's in Indiana, considering that he had triple double in the playoffs. Honestly, yeah, the, the guard position has been an issue for them. I think Bledsoe is not the solution. I think George Hill is not the solution. I think they're just short-term solutions. I think long-term solution could be Jamias Ramsey. I think also long-term solution could be Trey Jones. Again, they're both solid defenders offensively, I think they all—they both have potential.
1: Ryan, you literally just read my mind, so I'm going to make it quick because those were literally the two guys that I pulled up before we started the podcast today. They were the first two guys that came to mind, and it's real simple. Shea Jones defensively adds something to a Milwaukee team that's been in the top two, if not bare minimum, the top three defensively over the last three to four years under Bud- Budenholzer in, in particular Anchored by Giannis, obviously coming off of Defensive Player of the Year, probably not deserved, but you know, that's you know, we'll discuss that a different day as well. But definitely can add defensive acumen at the point guard position, which Eric Bledsoe already provides. But the difference is that Trey Jones provides that ability to facilitate the ball. He improved as, as a three point shooter in his second year, shoots a little bit over 36% from three now. Um, will that translate to the NBA three? That'll be the biggest question for him because that was really the big reason why I wasn't too against him going back to school was because I think he needed to prove that he could be a perimeter shooter from the point guard position to be of any threat in the NBA. He's a versatile defender, could probably guard him between one to three. We've given the rundown about how versatile Trey Jones is, so I'm not going to beat the drum too much. You could probably listen to dang near every other episode that we've recorded, and I've probably brought Trey Jones' name up. The guy that I want to bring up more so in terms of where you went with it is a guy like Jamaris Ramsey. Personally, between him and Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama, I think it's a toss up. I like Jamaris a little bit more personally, but I mean they both just barely under 2 steals per game, just barely over 18 points per game. A little bit different uh discrepancy-wise in terms of assists per game. Um that's kind of where things get a little um shaky. Uh Jamaris 2 2 assists versus um versus Ramsey's, I mean, Jamarius Ramsey's uh, two assists compared to Kira Lewis's five. That's kind of like the biggest thing for me is that Giannis needs another bucket getter, but the ability to get him the ball is still important. Like we're not about to have a two-time MVP on the, on the board and you're not going to get him the rock. You know what I mean? Like that's just one of those things that cannot be overlooked. So personally I'm starting to lean Kira Lewis a little bit more for his facilitating, But Jamayas Ramsey's ability to score the ball is desperately needed. And I think that if Bledsoe and George Hill are still going to be on this roster coming up next season, they don't necessarily need a defensive guard where which is where Trey Jones kind of fits the most in. They need another guy who can go get his own shot or at least go to the aggressively to the basket because that's something that Eric Bledsoe and George Hill don't tend to do. Um, at least not frequently. So I I like Jamayas a lot. Kira Lewis kind of might fit more what they need as a guard who can go get his own shot, but also facilitate. Now I'll give you this though. Here's the part where you kind of got me beat. Jemais Ramsey might actually be the one who's, who's actually available come 24 because in a lot of mock drafts, Kara Lewis is somewhere in between the, the back end of the lottery and as low as maybe 22, in most spots going to the Nuggets in terms of with me looking at Tankathon right now, he's t- marked 22 to the Nuggets, which is a pretty good slot for him. So I think Jemias might be the one who's actually available in comparison to Kara Lewis Jr. But I think those two guys might have a better fit than even Trey Jones can just because of their ability to create, which is something like, uh, I mean, let's just be clear. If Giannis is going to be the only one getting buckets and Chris Middleton kind of shows up, They're going to go back to the whole having to rely on Brooke Lopez splash mountain to go crazy. And we know how come playoff time that can get a little wishy-washy. So let's take what we've already discussed because we've already kind of made it clear that they need a point guard. And if not a point guard, they need an off guard, a combo guard. Who is somebody in this draft that we haven't named already that could be a good value pick on at this draft pick, if the guys that we've already named are off the board, because it's clear, it's definitely on the table. 24th overall, a guy like Jamias could be seen heavily by a team like the Miami Heat, for example. Like I said beforehand, with um, Kieran Lewis Jr., they uh, he slotted at 22 to the Nuggets. Trey Jones is a guy who is uh, marked to like the New York Knicks and a little bit later down on the list. So let's take a look at that from that perspective. Who are some guys who we haven't already named who could still be a really good value pick that late in the first round?
0: I can name a couple of them. I think the first one would be Cole Anthony. That really just kind of depends if he is not already selected. He's really an explosive guard coming out of North Carolina. And I feel like if injuries didn't hamper his time there, I feel like he could have been a solid player. One guy that we haven't mentioned at all on the podcast is Nico Mannion coming out of Arizona. This is a true bucket getter, and I think when I saw coming out of high school, from him coming out of high school, he is the definition of a bucket getter. I mean, he's a guy who can create his own shot, drive to the lane, be able to use his quickness on the perimeter. I think he's really a guy who's a great bucket getter if you want to get a bucket getter in this draft. And I think the other one is Cassius Stanley. Uh, If we're talking about off-guards, he's probably one of the best off-guards in the draft. But, Jalen, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on the three guys that I named and which guy would fit better on Milwaukee.
1: So I think the biggest thing, right, is that, again, we talked about this beforehand. Cassius Stanley is a wild card because if that boy develops as a basketball player, he could be a problem. Question is, with a team like Milwaukee, and we've had this conversation in the past about late-round picks because that's kind of been our theme the last couple of episodes – is Cassius Stanley going to be put in a position to be able to develop while on a championship team? The, the person that I always point to in terms of this past year's draft is a guy like Talon Horton uh, Horton Tucker out of Iowa State. He played for the Los Angeles Lakers this year, and he was a really good defensive wing prospect coming into this year's draft. And my thing about him was we didn't see a lot of him, and I think he's a – player who can contribute at a high rate if he were on a team like Charlotte or a team like the San Antonio Spurs probably is a better fit personally for like how I visualize his play style but we didn't get to see a lot of him offensively or defensively this year because we're talking about a team that has championship aspirations obviously with the Milwaukee Bucks having a very short leash in terms of what they can do to try to make sure that they can preserve as much uh Cadence and respect, uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're not going for guys who have to be developmental projects. So Cassius Stanley kind of concerns me a little bit. Nico Mannion, out of the guys that you named, I think he's the guy. Um, it's funny Tankathon actually has him mocked to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks themselves. So that's a really interesting pick on that one because of the fact that it kind of lines up with where they've gone. And I think the biggest thing with Nico is gonna be his his play in terms of his pace of play, not really his actual, can he go get a bucket? I think we both kind of have an understanding that Nico plays at, dare I say, like Kobe White level speed sometimes in terms of kind of thinking before actually going about things. And I think the difference between him and Kobe is his ability to finish at the rim, struggled in the paint this year. I mean, struggled. And now did that have a little bit to do with the fact that Arizona was kind of struggling a bit? maybe. There's potential there. I think that a guy like Josh Green, who was also on his team as a a backcourt mate with him, suffered a lot from the fact that a guy like Nico Mannion struggled to kind of go get his own shot. And on top of that, the facilitation wasn't always there. But I'll tell you this. If you're asking Nico to stir the ship, I think he can do it. I genuinely believe that he can do it because I think that the thing with him, it was especially with Arizona, was Arizona kid trying to make sure he puts his, his city on the map, so to speak, brings the homeboy, Josh Green, who he played with in AAU circuit. They're supposed to kind of take the Pac-12 over. And I think they kind of played a, a little bit beyond their means. Josh Green was injured for a good portion of the year as well. But I think Nico kind of tried to play beyond himself. And it kind of took him out of the game that we know he, he plays, which I think when he was at pinnacle, very controlled. I mean – it was funny. He, he actually played with, the, uh, with Spencer Rattler, the, the, uh, the football player, the quarterback for Oklahoma. And although Spencer Rattler at some point almost looked like the better overall athlete prospect, there were a lot of games looking back where Nico was that guy. For this Milwaukee team, he doesn't have to be that, though, and I think that's what makes it very interesting because then it's going to be more of a splash performance on his end rather than being a guy who steers the ship. So I think Nico is a great fit. My dark horse fit, and it's a reach, so so bear with me. (sighs) Dude, you you, you know I love this guy Winston, bro. Cassius Winston is that guy. Cassius Winston is that guy. I know he's a bit undersized for the position. I know it's going to come up all the time. Jalen, Cassius Winston is 6'1", less than 200 pounds. He's very net negative defensively. He's not going to be out there being able to cover more than ones and twos. He might be a liability on defense. Dude, Cassius Winston is the best pick and roll point guard in the draft. I don't care what anybody tells you in terms of his understanding Basketball acumen offensively in terms of understanding the pick and roll in the, uh, within this draft class, Cassius Winston understands the pick and roll offense better than any point guard in this draft class. If you give Giannis Antetokounmpo a viable pick and roll partner who can also play off the dribble and play off the ball relatively which is something that I feel like he improved as an off-ball player this past season and shoots 43% from three which gives him the catch and shoot ability that Giannis needs in terms of having a guy who he can reliably kick the ball out to average nearly 19 points per game relatively well turnover rate uh, assist to turnover ratio about nearly a steal and a half per game I mean, he's a guy who I think and and the age and the the age and timeline is there in terms of being a guy who you want to rely on to plug in right then and there and be productive on a championship uh, seeking team. So if I have to go with a guy who's within the range, I'm going to say it's Nico. If I have to go with a guy who's a reach, who I feel like will fit extremely well, I got to go with Cassius Winston, bro.
0: I like Cassius Winston and I'm glad you consistently bring him up on the podcast because he deserves the credit. He is by far the most NBA pro ready athlete in this draft. Maybe one of the best guards in this draft too. It's just it it's crazy that he's just slated to go in the second round because just because he's a senior. Nico Manion definitely is a guy who you could probably give you can probably give some quality minutes to him. Um, I think he's definitely a guy who can change the tempo of the offense for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think he also gives Giannis another option besides Chris Middleton, um, considering they really didn't have that with Bledsoe and George Hill. And in some cases, you know, Dante DiVincenzo. I think the other, the other thing that I kind of realized with cash Stanley is that, you know, when, when I thought that he fit, better with the Lakers. I still kind of think he does fit better with the Lakers in a sense um, because of his strength in the transition. I feel like if he develops and he's on the right team, I think he may be one of the best players in the league. I think he's a guy with a lot of promise, a lot of potential. I think he has a high ceiling considering he's coming out of Duke. He has one of the best coaches coaching him getting him ready for the NBA. I think if you get a guy like Cassius Stanley on any team, you would be proud of what you got once, once you developed
1: him. And see, that's the biggest thing it just comes down to the development. But I feel like if it's there, if he's given the opportunity, like you said, he has extreme boom potential in terms of this draft class, but let's look at guys who don't necessarily need to develop. Let's, let's, let's kind of go a little out of pocket with this, with this episode. Um, we always love to talk about what teams could potentially do with their draft, or with their draft capital beyond just utilizing the pick itself. Ryan, this is maybe not the most favorable position to be in the draft, but nonetheless, it's a late first round pick. And there's a lot of teams who might not even be in the draft, might not have a pick in the draft or may not have a favorable pick. In the draft might only have a second round pick in the draft and might want to move up and at least get somewhere positionally to get one of these first round talents that they have their eyes on. Which means that there's a chance that the Milwaukee Bucks could be trying to ship this 24th overall pick. We're not going to put guys necessarily in the draft because that requires draft machine stuff and trying to make sure that the the contracts all line up and things of that nature. But with the 24th overall pick, with guys like Dante DiVincenzo, with guys like George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, I think the question we need to ask is who are some guys who who you would target, viable targets for the point guard position? to move this pick and in reciprocation get somebody at the point guard position who could produce day one and instantly address the need that the Milwaukee Bucks have at that position? Who are some guys you would target using this 24th overall pick and some other guys on the bench?
0: It's a really good question, and I think the obvious answer is Chris Paul. There is a chance that Chris Paul could possibly be traded, and considering that, Nobody was expecting him to perform this well on an Oklahoma city team that wasn't expected to make the playoffs. You put a veteran guard like Chris Paul on a team like Milwaukee that needs guard help. I think that team is going to succeed. I think another one, and I think it's going to be crazy to say this, if there's a chance that they could pull off getting Russell Westbrook from the Houston Rockets, that would also be huge. I think, offensively the guy that would benefit you the most I would think would be Chris Paul just because I I think really what Giannis needs is a floor general point guard Chris Paul is one of the best floor general point guards out there he's a guy who has a high IQ as well he also can shoot and he's not only a good facilitator he's also a very good shooter and he's been a consistent shooter at that he's been in the league for 16 years and he's been a guy who's averaged at least 15 a game. So I think trade what you want for Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is the guy you have to get.
1: I would say that Chris Paul is my number one choice. Russell Westbrook is not my second though. And it has nothing to do with him. I think it has to do with the fact that I feel as though Houston invested a decent amount of capital to the point that even with Daryl Morey stepping down as GM, I believe that they're going to try to run it back. I also feel as though Russell Westbrook and James Harden's relationship will steer that team away from using him as a trade ship. Although there have been rumors that James Harden is the only untouchable on the roster, I do believe that Russell Westbrook do, does have a certain level of untouchableness, I guess you could say, on this roster as well. Chris Paul is a really interesting one because it all comes down to the question of what does Oklahoma City want to do? We tried to paint the picture that Oklahoma City was going to be a team that took all of their draft draft picks this season and kind of tanked it over. Hope that they could get a very uh, early pick in this year's draft to go along with guys like Shea Gilgis alexander Darius Baisley, and others that are already on the team that pretty much building around. Young guys who have been able to flourish, and instead they were able to get some playoff experience under their belt, get true value out of a guy like Danilo Gallinari, who was kind of a throw-in for the trade um, to send Paul George over to the Clippers, and they didn't do any of the stuff that we thought they were going to (laughs) do. They ran with it, got playoff experience, got to show us that this team is a little bit more ready than we had presumed, even with the fact that it felt as though all the draft picks they had acquired were going to be used to try to build up a restarting team, a a rebooting team that was trying to move off of an era where they once had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, and now don't have any of them, which is an interesting thing to kind of look back on. I think the second guy, honestly, and probably a little bit more affordable within the range might be a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie honestly um he's a guy who's productive um gave a lot of pack off the bu- um uh, a lot of impact off the bench last year um in terms of you know obviously producing while Kyrie was injured but also even the year before that in terms of being a bench guard alongside D'Angelo Russell um i think he's a guy with more minutes um could be extremely productive and i think he would get significantly more minutes playing for a team like Milwaukee Um, The question would be what the Brooklyn Nets get out of it. I think a guy like Eric Bledsoe might be an easier off guard to pair with a guy like Kyrie Irving, who needs a defensive guard next to him. I don't think Spencer did what he provides that. Um, I think the other thing about it is just the question as to if that 24th overall pick is enticing enough for the Brooklyn Nets to also kind of budge or even if they decide that, yeah, we'll definitely take the 24th overall pick because we will try to flip it into something ourselves. So I think the question is just what do they have for the value of the 24th overall pick, but also what do they have for the value from guys that they could potentially acquire from Milwaukee? I think Chris Paul or Spencer Dinwiddie are two guys who are instantly better answers. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie might be the easier acquisition to make in terms of what might have to be moved to acquire him. But Chris Paul probably is the better and more game-changing acquisition in terms of truly making a push towards being true championship contenders.
0: So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what would you trade for the 24th overall pick? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode.
1: Peace.